Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. We are so excited about today's guest, mostly because it's Scott Dieter. He is the Director of Early Childhood Education in Lorain, Ohio. Um, they are implementing Wit and Wisdom, and we are so pumped to hear specifically about his implementation plan and the way that they've rolled out their implementation to get teacher buy-in and to change mindsets over this um, past couple of months because they are a new implementation to Wit and Wisdom. So we're really excited because it's new and he'll be able to share some experiences that we can all learn from. So Scott, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here to talk uh, Wit and Wisdom with you all. Yeah, Melissa, um, I know that I shared a little bit about uh, Scott that he with you before we started that he began in April of 2018 and that he's from Lorain, Ohio. But um, Scott, why don't you share with all of us and um, all of the listeners a little bit about yourself? Just tell us about yourself and um, Lorain, Ohio, where you support. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, yeah, I am a Northeast Ohio native. Uh, and so uh, I didn't grow up in Lorain, but Lorain is pretty close to Cleveland where um, where I live uh, with my family. Um, and uh, I've been in Northeast Ohio for the past uh, six years. I'm losing track of time at this point. But um, uh, uh, after getting my start in education in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, so I taught kindergarten uh, in Nashville. Um, I was a Teach for America Corps member. Um, and then after my core experience, uh, moved back to Ohio with my wife and um, uh, did some work on staff with the Teach for America region here, supporting uh, core members with, a, with a, um, a specialization in early childhood education, um, given that kindergarten was my background. Then I did some work um, supporting school leaders um, and, and sort of d developing a a leadership pipeline here in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, as I was doing that work, um, the, uh, you know, the Lorraine City School District was sort of a hot topic because it was just the second district that was subject to House Bill 70, which we can get into a little bit, but, you know, it was, it was the legislation that, um, that uh, basically led to the state takeover of districts that, um, you know, um, met a certain number of, of criteria. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, as this was going on, we knew there were going to be a lot of talent needs in Lorraine. And so um, essentially I was trying to recruit people to uh, to um, join the Lorraine City School District team when I was working for Teach for America, because I thought, um, you know, this is just a place that's going to need uh, some leaders. And essentially, I recruited myself because as I was uh, <laughs> Good work. Good work. Yeah, yeah. I, as I was explaining the vision uh, of, of, uh, of, the, of Mr. Hardy, um, our CEO, to uh, folks and, and trying to get them interested in Lorraine, I was like, this sounds amazing. Um, and so... <laughs> Uh, when this role uh, opened up, I was like, this is like really where I feel like um, I want my, my next step to be. And so uh, that's how I ended up uh, as the director of early childhood education. And the role is really, uh, it's really trying to establish a, a continuum of learning from pre-K through second grade that sets up our scholars to um, really just be prepared to be reading uh, on grade level by the time they reach third grade so that uh, after, you know, they leave, uh, they leave the early childhood realm and, and they go into third grade that, um, that, that they really have that strong foundation. So we don't have to do as much remediation. We don't have to do as much catch, catch up um, uh, and, and that they're really um, prepared for success later on. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Scott, can you tell us a little bit about when you first got to Lorraine, what the literacy landscape looked like when you when you got there? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the district had been using um, Wonders as the primary uh, literacy curriculum in, in K-5 um, and supplementing it with foundations in K-2 as, um, uh, you know, the phonics component. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's what existed. Um, and when we came in, my big focus in 2018, 2019, so last school year was was preschool. So really starting from the ground up and making sure that we had a, a strong foundation there. And so last year we sort of left the K2, well, K5 ELA curriculum alone. Mm-hmm. Um, we gave teachers some guidance on uh, on how to make the most of wonders. Um, and we, and we did some coaching and training around foundations. Um, but, uh, uh, that, that, that's really it. And we realized pretty quickly doing some like district level walkthroughs where we were just getting into as many classrooms as possible that, um, uh, that the texts that were being put in front of students just were not, rigorous enough. They were not uh, at grade level. They were not the appropriate level of complexity. Mm -hmm. Um, And teachers were putting text in front of their students for most of the lesson. And so we had like the strength Mm -hmm. that our teachers had, um, but we just hadn't been giving them the right materials. And so that's Mm -hmm. when we started to realize like, all right, the first thing we have to do is just put better resources in front of our our kids. And we decided to start with K2 um, so that we could uh, you know, start smaller, start to build a foundation, um, not not bite off too much too quickly, um, but then give us a foundation that we could build upon in the future. And so that's that's kind of how we went from where we were when I came in to, to where we are now. Scott, would you tell us um, about when you're te- when you were going into those classrooms and you were seeing your teachers use wonders, what exactly like if you could provide a couple pieces of evidence just that you remember uh seeing firsthand um and experiencing like what made you think this is not enough um yeah so i mean it was the big thing was just that uh it was just a lot of basil right so it was just um texts that were not uh authentic um that, that that were sort of a part of these these basils that, you know, you would look around and, and, and kids all had the text in front of them. But, you know, when you were reading the second grade text, um, it just wasn't uh, mirroring what we knew that the standards actually expected of students. And, um, you know, I, I right around the time that that I was doing these these um, these walkthroughs, because this was in January of this year mm-hmm. um, of 2019, um, I, we had been working on this, um, this, this district writing assessment as well. And so I'd been doing a lot of work with um, uh, looking at, uh, you know, what text complexity looks like according to the core standards for each grade level, and just like noticing the mismatch. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and just like thinking of a a specific classroom that I was in, and uh, the text, it was a nonfiction text. And so there was some knowledge building going on. But just in terms of like, vocabulary sentence structure it was just like very very basic mm-hmm. um and uh and was not again not not lining up with with you know all of these um these sort of examples of what text complexity should look like in the, in in second grade and so th- i think that was really an eye opening moment for me mm-hmm. i actually while you're talking i pulled up um on ed reports i pulled up wonders and me, me not too, the first... Lori. I'm right yeah. there with you. <laughs> so I, I have to say, this is not the first time I've done this because I am a parent <laughs> in a school district that uses wonders. Um, and it makes me so upset to see the, the, you know, the sheets come home that are all strategy driven. Like, and, you know, my kid is, comes home in tears, like, I didn't get the the right place where the title and the heading and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's okay. It's not a big deal. You understand what you read. Like, because you know, you're taking it out of context of the text. So I'm looking at wonders right now. Um, And Melissa is too. (laughs) And so uh, for K 
K1 and 2, um, for text quality, they received about a 55 out of 58, um, which is a green. Um, But Mm -hmm. then for building knowledge, it's 24 out of 32, and in one grade level, 26 out of 32. So they're in the yellow range. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the alignment rating is partially meets expectations. And like kudos to you, Scott, because I feel like accepting nothing less than fully meets expectations and knowing Mm -hmm. that your students deserve that is Mm -hmm. like the best first step that any leader could take. So like good for you for knowing that and for putting your stake in the ground and being like, this is not good (laughs) enough for my kids because they deserve better. And there is better. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Exactly. Melissa, any thoughts as you're looking at it? Um, nope. Same thoughts. Um, I'm already, I'm already on my next question though. of thinking like, how did you guys get to, cause many people don't know about ed report yeah. or, mm-hmm. um, the curriculum that is available. <laughs> Some people don't even know about wonders. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just wondering how you guys then went and went about like looking for new curriculum and what that looked like. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. So the first decision that was made was we need, better resources and we need them yesterday right <laughs> um mm-hmm. and so uh once we decided that that was going to be a focus for this school year so again this was back in january um mm-hmm. we uh leveraged a, a few resources um so uh we were partnering with tntp at the time they actually helped us with those walkthroughs um they mm-hmm. sort of took the lead on those so that we we had that third party per, you know neutral third party perspective yeah. um which was really helpful um, and so they had that context. So when we came to them and said, Hey, um, what recommendations do you have about really high quality, uh, ELA curriculum? They were, they were able to, uh, provide, you know, a, a, a list for us based on their work with, with some other districts. Um, and so there, you know, there were some, some common, uh, uh, examples that were coming up. Um, and the other thing that they shared was, uh, the, the report out of Tennessee, um, their, their lift, uh, initiative. Um, so I, I, I read that, that report and that was just super helpful because it was like, look, like all, you know, this, this big sort of partnership of, of districts, um, uh, have already started from essentially the same place that we're starting mm-hmm. and are a few mm-hmm. years ahead of us. So let's learn from, from what they did and not yeah. reinvent yeah. <laughs> the wheel. Um, and saw that a lot of them used EL education and, and some of them used wit and wisdom. Um, and so, uh, uh, and then looking at ed reports as well as um, uh, the Louisiana Department of Education, uh, their their mm-hmm. ratings of of, of curricula and just seeing like, what are the standouts and just noticing that like the, the two that kept popping up were the EL education, uh, resource and wit and wisdom. Um, uh, and we decided given that, um, we had, you know, uh, I think we knew from the outset that like, look, these are not the ideal conditions for curriculum rollout, right? Like we, we're operating under uh, a much tighter timeline than anyone would have wanted. Um, but the level of urgency was what it was. Um, mm-hmm. And so we had to, to make it work. So given the time that we had, we decided like, like we didn't want our pilot um, and our, our, our use of our teachers valuable time to be about um, uh, looking through six different options that at the end of the day, uh, are all, you know, rated pretty much the same that are going to essentially get you the same level of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, what we wanted to do is like, all right, let's narrow it down already to two um, based on all these recommendations, but then let's make sure that we get our teachers input on which of these works best uh, in our context with our kids um, and is like the most usable. So mm-hmm. um, uh, what are um, uh, you know, like the, the, the learning design and, and everything down to like the way that the teacher's edition and the student's edition is laid out and the way that the texts are packaged, like all of these things, like which resource, um, gets like, you know, is, is set up to, uh, 
for, for you to most efficiently uh, deliver the uh, instruction that we know that our kids need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is um, what we what we chose to do with our pilot. Um, but to actually, you know, again, to, to, to get those those two options, we, we really just looked around and, and noticed that uh, um, from all of these places that we were looking for for recommendations, like uh, we were seeing, you know, the, the, these two resources come up again and again. Yeah. yeah. Well, Scott, we here in Baltimore, <laughs> we did go through all <laughs> did that long, lengthy process you mentioned. And we ended up with the same two at our top two. That's so. <laughs> true. And that's the thing. Good it's call. like, you know, I feel like uh, Ed reports and Louisiana believes, God bless him for, for doing this very important work. And it's like, yep. I'm not going to assume that I know more than they do. And so, right. um, so yeah, I think that that felt like uh, the right call in, in the moment. It was still a very short pilot. And mm-hmm. that was one of the challenges that we ran into that I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about. But um but, but it felt like we used that time as well as we could, given the circumstances. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> um, we've said before to other folks as well that we've in Baltimore, we did this process and did come out to the exact same thing. So you saved yourself some time and energy, possibly working smarter, not harder, <laughs> um, you know, using those great resources. Um, I know you said that there were not optimal conditions and you mentioned time as being one of them. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I, I'm wondering if there were any other factors, like was there a political climate or anything, um, you know, kind of making you feel this urgency a little bit more? Can, if so, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I won't sugarcoat it. There's uh, the, um, the climate, and I think part of this is just common sense that like the climate that exists in a state takeover situation where the administration, um, uh, is, uh, you know, essentially placed there through state legislation coming because, uh, this, you know, the state has, has declared that, uh, that the, the district so far has, has been failing and saying we're going to come in and solve your problem i mean like it's it's very it you're starting from an adversarial position Mm -hmm. right um and so um uh, i mean that just is what it is um and i think uh um our administration was very cognizant of that and did a lot of things to um uh, to try and, and bridge that gap. And some of them worked and a lot of them uh, didn't work as well. Um, but ultimately, like the, I think the political condition that existed was a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one, like a lack of trust in like uh, motivation, mm-hmm. right? So like why, like, so so I think with every decision, um, people uh both like within the district and 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 in the community would question and i think rightly like i think it's good for them to be skeptical and critical um uh you know what is the motivation behind this decision why are we changing the curriculum is it because of some connection that someone has to um to this publisher and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, which, which all, and, and I, I have empathy for, for folks because like, I, I understand where that, where that lack of trust could come from again, just given the circumstances. Right. Um, I mean, how that would feel like being in this community for 30 years and then, and then having this, you know, what, what you perceive as like an outsider coming in. So like, I get that. So that was one thing. And then I think the other thing is like, um, Lorraine has been through a lot of change and turmoil um both in the, both like within the school district but also just like as a community over the past few decades and mm-hmm. so with that comes you know change fatigue and i think like almost like this jaded sort of sense of like well how long is this gonna last yeah um like like you know, we are the latest in a long line of 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 people who have come in and tried to turn things around. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 different in some significant ways. Um, uh, because it's not local control, right? Like the CEO is appointed by the state, but um, uh, 
it is, you know, I think in, in some ways it just feels like, oh, this is just another one. Uh, and so uh, all that being said, like, yeah, I think that it was a um, it was a climate that, again, like I I understand why it was the way that it was. Um, but it, it definitely uh, made us think very carefully about, you know, how can we um, structure our implementation plan in such a way that we are really like prioritizing building trust and building confidence in the rationale for why we selected this program and um, and just, you know, this wit and wisdom as a resource. And so that's that's a lot of the kind of thinking that that we were doing as we were developing this, as we were piloting and developing this implementation plan. Yeah. So when you talk about building trust and confidence, I love that, by the way, um, and you're thinking about this implementation plan and how you prioritize those two things. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looked like, like in action in the plan? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, I mean, a big part of it was lessons learned through the, the pilot. Mm -hmm. So we had a group of, um, we started with 10, but, uh, you know, just because of, of some, some challenges and conflicts, I think we ended up with, with seven or eight in our final group. Teachers, K2 teachers, half of them did Wit and Wisdom, uh, did a module from Wit and Wisdom. Half of them did a module from EL work. Education. Okay. This was in like April of last year. Mm -hmm. um, and I say did a module, but we didn't get through a whole module. Like we got through like a month of instruction. Mm -hmm. um, and so like there were a lot of um, logistical challenges in terms of like orders taking much longer than we anticipated. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think was like was like the most significant challenge. And then like what that meant for um, how much time folks had to prepare mm -hmm. and like whether they had you know, they had some pieces, but not all of them. So they were trying to teach lessons without actually having all the copies of the core texts. And so like right. the pilot itself was, I think, a very frustrating experience for um, for not only the, the, the teachers involved, but but for myself. But I think in a productive way, mm -hmm. because what that allowed us to do when we went to develop the implementation plan for the district wide rollout was be like, here are all of the places that that went wrong. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and here are the things that we can, that we know we need to get right um, so that we don't have a district full of teachers who are feeling um, that same level of frustration that our pilot teachers rightly felt. Um, and so that was one thing was just like using the pilot as uh, really, um, you know, uh, a vehicle for just sort of ironing out some of those wrinkles and figuring out what the wrinkles were that needed to be ironed out. Um, and, and, the, and the second piece of that was just straight up asking that pilot group, like, okay, given your experience, like we broke it into four categories. Like what is the professional development that you think teachers need and when to yeah. implement this successfully? What are the resources, like the physical resources that you think that teachers need and when to implement this successfully? Um, what are the structures uh, that that you think uh, need to change? And by structures, I mean like um, like daily schedule, like how you know the the number of minutes that you have to, mm. to to where you're expected to teach ELA. Like what needs to be true about that? What needs to be true about the report card? And so uh, just got the I, I said four. I think it was actually just those three categories. Um, but we got their input on those things. Um, oh, and the fourth was like, we separated out PD and coaching. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so we uh, got their input on those things in the middle of the pilot and then at the end of the pilot. And by, by using both like their voice and, uh, you know, what we had gathered on our end of like, oh, like, you know, this is what went wrong in terms of, of getting the materials. We went into the implementation plan with a very clear picture of here are the things that we have to get right. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the the the, the, the um, I think like the preparation that allowed us to sort of build trust and and confidence into the plan um, is is honestly like we knew where we had sort of missed the mark on those things uh, in the pilot and we were able to correct for that yeah um, 
And I think the second thing is um, uh, just like trying to weave the rationale uh, and sort of our approach to implementation into every part of the implementation plan. And so like my main message that I uh, wanted uh, folks to internalize throughout this implementation process is this is a three-year implementation process, right? Like when we purchased this curriculum, like that's the message that we kept getting from great minds. Like don't expect perfection after year one. <laughs> like this is gonna take time for everyone. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be um, frustrating. The same productive struggle that we expect from our kids. Like we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be feeling that too. Yes. Um, and so like uh, patience um, is something that 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 we tried to stress in the in the um, uh, the implementation plan and just like, uh, uh, in, in a, a willingness to, to try, right. Like an open-mindedness and like, like, like what we expect this year is that like you implement these lessons, like as they are written to make sure that we're hitting the standards and to make sure that the thing that we're like testing out is actually, you know, the thing that we are intending to test out that we're not making these radical changes to it and then saying that it doesn't work. Yep. So like, um, so those were the, the pieces that we tried to build in. So like, even when you look at like our implementation goals, like our goals are, we have three of them. One is all about um, uh, like the extent of um, wit and wisdom lessons that we observe that are, or, or the percentage of those lessons that are spent mostly reading discussing or write about complex or writing about complex texts mm -hmm. so like do students spend almost the entire lesson like really engaging with the text whether they're reading it or talking about it or writing about it um which again like was something that our teachers were already pretty strong at um so this is like all right just sort of keep doing what you're doing here just keep the text at the center of the lesson yeah um uh, implementing with integrity is the term that that wit and wisdom uses in their implementation guide and so I like that because it sort of captured like, yes, fidelity and, you know, your students. And so, you know, there are some adaptations that any teacher is going to need to make um, to any curriculum uh, out of the box. Um, and then finally, um, measuring teachers confidence in their students ability to um, to read, discuss and write about grade level texts, like, do we see that increasing mm -hmm. over the course of the year? And so what we tried to communicate with these goals is like, we're not setting goals about what your state test scores are going to be um, uh, at the end of the year. And it's in its K2. So, so they don't take state test scores, but even like NWEA, like we're not setting goals around that yet, right? Like, our goal is our kids, like, are you providing opportunities for kids to look at the text? Are you implementing the lessons uh, with fidelity uh, and integrity? And like, um, and on our end, like, are we seeing through your experiences that that you are building confidence in what your students are able to do? And if we can see those three things by the end of this year, then that to me is 100% a win. And so just trying to be like, as consistent as possible with folks that like, that's what we're looking for. We don't care about pacing. I don't care if it takes you three days to get through a lesson. That's fine. Um, and when I give you feedback, I'm not going to give you feedback about pacing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you feedback about these things. Um, and so, so yeah, that, that, that is, is, I think, fundamentally how we try to approach that building trust and confidence. Yeah. I noticed, Scott, um, that when you were speaking, um, two of the goals were more uh, quantitative because mm -hmm. they were measured. I know you have measurement. I'm, I'm looking at your implementation mm -hmm. <laughs> plan. Um, so there's measurement tools and there's frequencies. Um, and then the, the third goal is more of a qualitative goal. And I think that I'm making an inference, but that is really where um, that teacher buy-in is critical. And so then you're giving teachers an opportunity to have some qualitative input into this. So it doesn't feel so much like quantitative data driven. It gives them an opportunity to stop and reflect like, since I've been implementing Wit and Wisdom, what am I noticing? And right. are these things in my students' abilities improving? Are they, you know, able to read more complex texts and discuss and write about them? And I think it gives them that pause point to just stop and think about what their students can do um, in a really 
impactful way that then provides you with some feedback. So I really, I like that doing that in the form of a survey. I think that's interesting. And I think that's a tangible tip that if folks are listening that, um, and they're implementing a high quality curriculum, that that could be one way to garner teacher input and, you know, in the also parallel by buy-in or create buy-in for teachers. Um, so I think that's a pretty cool point. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I think what I took away from that, Scott, too, is like just that switch to a learner mindset from accountability mm-hmm. is huge. And it sounds like you guys are, I don't want to say account- accountability, but like you, you are still expecting teachers to implement this curriculum well, but with the idea that we have to do that in order to see if it's working, right? We can't just not even try it and then make make decisions based on that but we need to try it with integrity to see if it's working so we can learn from it um and i just think i'm wondering if there's anything that came up you talked about how you went about doing it already but especially with the pilot and thank goodness for those teachers (laughs) that were willing to do that um i'm just wondering if that's something that you guys think about really is like changing that mindset and i'm thinking even of not just teachers, but um, principals, school leaders, um, district leaders, if there's anything else that you, you guys have like come across with the mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think like the big, the, the big, uh, I think like the, the primary way that we've tried to address that specific mindset shift from like, um, uh, like a, sort of like a checklist, like, you know, am I uh, checking these boxes Mm -hmm. when someone comes into my room to like a, a learning sort of, you know, um, uh, sort of uh, experimental uh, mindset, right, is uh, in like, in in a growth mindset is um, just like, how we, like, how we orient when, like, there is a lesson that like that I observe or that school leaders observe that isn't done with fidelity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and like, like, what do you do in that moment? Um, and so like, that's something that I get quite like that I've gotten a lot of questions from both teachers and school leaders about. I um, mean, like a, spe- a specific example would be um, uh, like we see, um, uh, you know, uh, some teachers supplementing wit and wisdom with uh, resources that um, other teachers have created that are like intended to be aligned to wit and wisdom. So it's the same mm-hmm. stuff, but you know, that they're packaging differently and then putting on teachers, pay teachers or whatever. And so we see people yeah. using those. And a lot of times mm-hmm. the question is, are they allowed to do that? And like, right. I, I don't orient toward any decision a teacher makes within reason <laughs> uh, in that way of like, are they allowed to do that or no? or not for me, the question is, um, uh, and this is what I sort of coach school leaders on is like, uh, I would ask them, you know, I would say like, you you know, this is essentially a a different version of a document that you have in the student edition. Mm -hmm. So tell me, what do you think you get from this that you don't get from that? Um, And have the teacher explain it and defend it. And like, if their rationale makes sense, and if they can show that like, yeah, this is working for kids because I actually think that this is laid out better and it's not losing anything, then that's not, then that shouldn't be the thing that you focus on when you give them feedback. Um, but uh, if you notice that like it, it, it's that something's being watered down um, or that like some key understanding is being missed because of the adjustment to the resource, then that leads to a conversation that's not, you know, oh, you didn't check this. But it's like um, a conversation about let's actually look at what's different between this and this. And, you know, how about you just try doing it this way next time and let's compare how your students respond to that and then talk about that at our follow up conversation. So really taking a more coaching centered approach um, and that takes time and it's hard for Mm -hmm. I think it's like it's hard to adjust to being on the receiving end of that. It's hard to adjust to being on the on the giving end of that but but I think that orientation is 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 really how we've tried to to shift that mindset Mm -hmm. that makes so much sense I can actually give a quick example 
that what I, what I've seen. Um, yeah. There was one teacher who she she made her own worksheet, but it was because she just wanted more room for them to write. Like there wasn't enough space. Um, I was like, well, that that seems completely reasonable, right? That you want them to write more and have more space to write. Um, and didn't change anything about the actual lesson. Um, but I did see another one where they, you know, instead of using some examples that were already given to them in Wit and Wisdom, the students had to then come up with their own, I think it was main ideas or um, topics, something something that summarized it for them. And they had to do it on their own. And the students struggled. And I was like, you kind of took, that was a scaffold built in that you took away from them. And that was the place where, you know, I would have really wanted to know the why. So I, I sure. like that idea of like asking why. Yep. Yeah. I think that also gives the, the teachers a moment to reflect. Um, because I've seen, exactly. I've seen the same, I've seen, you know, worksheets on teachers, pay teachers that are the exact same as the student workbook, which I don't think is, Technically, they're allowed to do. Um, legal. I think it's illegal. Um, so I want to name that. <laughs> but, um, and you know, in my head, I'm always like, why would you buy something that's already available just because it has like a cute border? Like, you know, like, do you, re- do you right. really need that? Um, but then I've also seen where, you know, I've looked at what's happening in a student workbook and then some things on Teachers Pay Teachers and the same, you know, quote, activity or whatever it might be when you look at the teachers pay teachers one and you're trying to align it with what they're doing is, is like you said, that watered down piece. And it's just confusing why, you know, that would be the choice over what was already there. But it's confusing to me because I'm looking at it without hearing the why behind it. And I think that gives that pause point for teachers to pause and be like, you know what, am I, am I watering this down for students? Maybe that's their aha moment. And, you know, I think that, um, that Kier said that in our podcast with him, you know, he was like, what, what do I expect of my students? Am I, is, am I the one who's holding them up? Um, And so I think that that's a good reflection point because sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. So the intention um, could be an an unintended, unintended consequence that happens there. Um, But I'm glad that you brought that up. (laughs) Yeah. Just to speak a little bit more on that. It's like, I think that when you take that approach, what you're, the message that you're sending to the teacher when you ask why you made this decision is, you know, I trust that you are um, an informed and competent educator mm-hmm. who makes decisions about instruction for a reason. Um, and we might disagree on the reason, but mm-hmm. I owe it to you to figure out what that reason was before I jump to a conclusion about it. Yeah. Um, Uh, And like, I think that that um, also, you know, that's just not the message that you get when it's a checklist and you say you met three out of five of these of these things um, to change them. Um, And I think that I also see that with um, when you think about and we haven't really touched on this at all yet, but I know that you have a lot on your podcast previously um, is just like, you you know, the uh, the the reading science that um, the, the science of reading stuff that, that wit and wisdom is is really based on um, uh, and, 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 and the ideas that sort of inform the learning design of wit and wisdom um, being such a, a shift uh, from the approach that teachers are so used to um, around, you know, why is it all complex text as opposed to, uh, you know, leveled readers and, and, and we're concerned yeah. that it's um, you know, reading to learn instead of learning to read and all these things, like, I think like there, there, there has to be some empathy and um, willingness to take the teacher's perspective on this is if you've been teaching 25 years <laughs> a, so w- with a certain foundation, and then that's the way that you are trained, uh, then of course, like, like you should, <laughs> as, as an expert in your field, be skeptical if someone comes in and tells you, uh, otherwise and says, do it because I say to do it. And so I think there has to be a dialogue there um, that is partly about, um, uh, you know, ex- exposing folks to, to, to new research and, and science that maybe like just wasn't available mm-hmm. when they were getting trained or, or earlier on. 
Um, but also, uh, you know, helping them to see the, the benefits of this approach at the classroom level and like, you know, what you see your, your kids actually capable of doing that maybe they just never even had the chance to with the old approach. And, and I know that that can be a big, big mindset shifter. So I just like, that's really important to me in, in the implementation plan too, is like, uh, is for teachers to feel like they have agency and that their ideas are in, in dialogue um, with, with wit and wisdom if, if, if they are, um, you know, if there's some conflict there and not that it's just like, no, stop doing that, start doing this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know when we talked before, um, before this podcast, <laughs> um, that you were really invested in prioritizing teacher feedback um, and having that teacher voice, that agency. Mm-hmm. When, when you did that, you had shared that teachers really wanted PD facilitated by curriculum experts and were invested in not using the train the trainer model. Um, right. Can you tell us a little bit about um, why they shared that and why they particularly asked for that? Because I think that that's a very intuitive ask um, of teachers. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. Um, and I think like ultimately where they were coming from was um, like we you know, if, if there is this sense of urgency and, and we're implementing um, this thing that's new to us, uh, like what if we have a, a question about it, um, uh, we want the person that we ask the question to be able to answer it as opposed to saying, let me ask somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, so I think that that's part of it is just like it, it's it's just more efficient to have someone who who is leading the training to already have that level of experience. I think that there are obviously there's a time and place for a facilitator to be like a co-learner. Um, but there there are other times where like that just is is not what is needed. And I think that this is one of those times. Um, uh, and I think the second part is uh like wanting someone who has seen the finish line, right? Who has like gotten through um, uh, implementing, uh, who actually has that experience with the curriculum. So like, you know, the things that are troubling or concerning when you have only been implementing a curriculum for like a month and you don't yet see how all the pieces fit together for someone to say, yep, I felt that way in September of the year that I implemented it. I know exactly where you're coming from. And here are the things that happened after that, um, that, uh, that, that can reassure you. And here are some things that I would suggest that you do. And so I just think that that, like that perspective of having been through it is, is really, was, was really important to folks. And so we, we wanted to, to make sure that we honored that. That's great. I'm like, I just, when you said that, I'm still thinking that they, that that's just so intuitive and that they, like, just the fact that they asked for that um, is just so important and that they recognize that this is, that this is bigger than them. Like, I feel like that meant that you did a a really good job with investing them in the research and understanding the why in order for them to have that specific ask. So kudos to the teachers in Lorain, Ohio, who piloted and who contributed to the implementation plan and who asked for such incredible things to be a part of this plan so that they could execute their curriculum well. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, really, like without that, like I can, like that conversation that we had about what they needed for implementation to work, like was probably the most valuable (laughs) 45 (laughs) minutes of, uh, of of that whole process because like i i agree they were very intuitive and in tune with what the rest of the district would need um and and it really really helped so they it was it was a really a really great bunch of folks that's awesome scott did they um did the teachers also suggest the monthly teacher plc's so um not directly. Um, I think that like what they re- part of what they requested was like we want time to collaborate within our grade level, mm-hmm. but across mm-hmm. the district so that we can like, yeah. you know, share best practices. Um, and so as a way of balancing those two asks, um, we 
decided like, let's front load the training from the experts. So we did lead wit and wisdom for our school leaders. We did launch wit and wisdom, uh, the training for our new teachers uh, or for all of our teachers, I should say. And then we did um, the module and lesson study protocol session where they like walk the teachers through that protocol. And so we, we've, we've gone through all three of those now. Um, uh, and so they've got that foundation. And now uh, in November, we're launching those um, PLCs or now we're calling them working groups. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, they're split by grade level. So they are, you know, K teachers are all together. First grade teachers are all together, um, second grade. Uh, and they have some school leaders who are um, facilitating those. Uh, and, but they're implementing the, you know, the planning and preparation practices that they learned from the experts. And so at our next one, they're going to be planning module two mm-hmm. um, using the module protocol um, because they're going to be starting module two in like um, late November, mm-hmm. um, uh, according to our pacing guide. And so, um, and so, yeah, that was how we tried to meet that. And we have some flexibility. Like if we decide to use one of our um, monthly teacher PD days uh, for like a, a training um uh from the wit and wisdom you know to have great minds come back out and maybe like do the writing wit and wisdom or or one of the other trainings then then we can do that mm-hmm. um uh and so we have some of that flexibility built in but but this is sort of how we tried to like you know honor both of those requests i think that that's great you're getting the dual you you have you have supports in place within your district but then you're also pulling in the experts when needed. So I think that's a really nice balance and a great cadence for folks to hear who are listening and who are wondering, how am I going to do this work in my district? (laughs) It's a, it's a good um, support plan that you're, Mm -hmm. you have in place. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll, I mean, we'll see how the, the working groups go. Right. Cause like, I think the expert led trainings have gone really well. I mean, great minds does a great job. Like all their facilitators actually have experience doing the uh, like implementing the curriculum themselves mm-hmm. which is so helpful it's not just like a sales rep who's doing it right um right <laughs> uh which you, you know which you see sometimes uh yeah. and so like they really knock their their pd out of the park i think but we'll see how the working groups go and we'll adjust but right now i'm i'm feeling pretty pretty good about that that aspect of the plan good well we we are hoping that maybe we can have you back on in the spring and then hear an update <laughs> after you've implemented for a year. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love to. Awesome. Um, and I can listen back to this and be like, uh, <laughs> naive, uh, you know, October Scott. Um, no, I think you're very strategic October Scott. I, think <laughs> I appreciate that. Give Absolutely. yourself some credit. Well, we can't thank you enough for being here today. Um, are there any final thoughts that you want to share with anyone listening who is going into this? Maybe they've just uncovered that they're using a wonders type of curriculum and they're like, (laughs) we need more. We need better. Um, Our last piece of advice. We've been forgetting to ask people this, Lori. I know we we do keep forgetting. Well, so Scott, any advice? (laughs) We're bringing it back. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, two things. I think first, and this is just reiterating a point that uh, we all made earlier, but like, if you are, doing well, I lied I'm gonna do three things How about that um, <laughs> uh, uh, first uh, if you are doing a pilot and you don't have a ton of time like I I started to second guess the decision because of some feedback from folks to focus more on usability um, than on like actually selecting from a larger group and just having the purpose of that group be you know essentially like redoing what ed reports did. So like I was second guessing not doing that. And I'm so glad that we did it the way that we did. Um, because like you said, I think we would have ended up in the same place yeah. um, that ed reports did. So I think like for folks who are piloting, that's, and that, you know, I think that's going to run counter to, to, to what a lot of people would suggest, but I think, you know, at, out, I think it's perfectly reasonable to outsource that piece. Um, we'll see if I still say that in the spring. <laughs> uh, well, there are so uh, many places I... where the, that, where essentially if you had done that work, which <sighs> would be a ton of work, that's like, I think liken it to teachers writing their own lessons yeah. and curriculum. 
Like yeah. there are so many places where that information is readily available as you named. Um, for free. For, yeah, for free. Yep. I mean, literally <laughs> at a click, like while you were talking about it, Melissa and I both pulled it up in less than five seconds. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and then we could have also pulled it up on Louisiana Beliefs in less than five seconds. Like the, it, the work is done and you can read all the reports. <laughs> so yep. you're, you're doing yep. the, the better work where you're internalizing. I always think working smarter, not harder instead of mm-hmm. gathering, you know? Yeah, that's a yep. great. Tip. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. So that's thing one. I think thing two is just like, and this is really hard for me, but like, don't, don't let the lack of a perfect set of conditions keep you from doing it. Um, Like we knew from the outset that the pilot was going to be fast and messy. uh, um, And uh, we did it anyway, because we had to. Mm -hmm. And I'm very glad that we did instead of waiting um, cause there were some folks, you know, who, who were suggesting like, well, maybe we extend the pilot and we don't roll out. Um, uh, and I think the, you know, the, the more time you can spend on a pilot, the better, but like, don't let, you know, to be kind of trite, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, yeah. so that's two. Um, and then let's see if I can remember my third one. <laughs> um, uh, uh, why did I say I lied and change it to three? I should have just stuck that's with the, fine. the two. <laughs> Stick with those two. Um, Your two are great. Yeah, yeah, but 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 that that's what I would say to folks. Um, uh, and I think what what has uh, helped us so far. Yeah. That's well, there's awesome. no there's no perfect conditions ever anywhere yeah. in life. Yeah. I mean, we could go down yeah. a whole trail of that. Like, wait, wait till everything's perfect too. Fill in the blank, and you never start. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, it was so great to talk to you. Thank you both so much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll connect again in the spring and then we can give all of our listeners an update on Lorraine, Ohio and um, high quality curriculum wit and wisdom implementation. So thank you, Scott. Thank you all. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thank you.